it's, it's what can you do that's going to make a difference today that you didn't do yesterday. And, and uh, you know, one of the things I like that they talk a lot about at Amazon, it's having a day one mentality. So approach every day, like it's your first day at the job. And the minute you slip to day two, something's not right. You know, you're, you're now getting, you're resting in your laurels. You're, you know, you're not focused on being an innovator, bringing yeah. something else to the table. And so that it's, yeah, it's always, how do you, how do you raise the bar to the next step? Hello, and welcome to another episode of Worked Up, the podcast where you learn to write your own success story. It is the start of a new year. We are coming back reinvigorated at the beginning of 2024, and I couldn't be happier to share this very first episode of the year with probably one of my very first friends. So Alex Chapel, welcome to Worked Up. Thank you for having me on. I'm pumped to kick off the year with you, Jackie. <laughs> See, there's that infectious energy that I have literally known since I was one years old. Um, by way of background, Alex Chapel is one of my nearest and dearest and oldest friends. And she's had a really incredible professional journey that I have had the pleasure of being able to follow kind of on, on the front lines. And it's been really fun to do so because she's had an illustrious journey through the world of sports broadcasting and journalism and has made a pivot now uh, later in her career toward working at Amazon in cloud services for some pretty cool government arenas. That's all I'll say though. So Alex, do you want to kick it off by just talking a little bit about you know, what you've done in your career? I really don't want to steal your thunder. I want everyone to hear it in your words. Um, well, Jackie, thank you for having me on and excited to talk with you about making career changes and, and what that's like. Um, but uh, yes, the, you know, for, for, I went to the University of Alabama, Roll Tide. So sports was my background, right? From college, uh, fell in love with covering football while I was in school, majored in sports broadcasting with a minor in business management. And uh, for 10 years, over a decade, actually, after I graduated, worked in local news from smaller television markets down in Alabama uh, up to Boston, Massachusetts, where I had the chance to cover the four big major sports teams up there, Patriots, Celtics, Red Sox, and the Bruins. Um, from there, had the opportunity to do national network television as a sideline reporter covering college football for ESPN. And then that opened the doors for me to come back to my hometown team, cover the Washington Nationals on Masson, was with them in 2019 during their World Series run. It was incredible. Um, I'm wearing my red for the Nats. And, uh, and for the um, Tide. And yep, good point. And for the Tide. <laughs> uh, the, uh, but then 2020 happened, as with everyone, a big change. And uh kind of started to evaluate what I wanted the next maybe 5, 10, 15 years to look like for me. And and it was at that point I looked into making a career change. And so now I am with Amazon Web Services. I've been with them for three years. I have the opportunity. It's, it's humbling to be part of uh, the Department of Defense, their cloud journey, 
uh, at AWS and we're supporting our mission partners in making a difference for our war fighters. So it's been a change. You know, I think a lot of people say, how do you go from TV to or being a reporter to sales? But there's a lot of applicable traits. And first and foremost, it's all about having two ears, one mouth. Ironic saying that on a podcast, but it's all about <laughs> listening, right? And you're telling a story, you're understanding the needs of whether it's the viewers of who's watching the game, the teams you're covering, or in this case, my customers that I'm supporting day in, day out. I love that you just said that for so many reasons, <laughs> not least of which is when I work with people who are either launching a business and have to put together their value proposition or they're going in for an interview, I tell them all the same thing, which is you are selling the one product you know better than anyone else in the entire world. And it's up to you to tell a story. And whether it is selling cloud-based services or whether it is discussing what's happening with Nick Saban and his retirement, you know, we're fresh off the news, right? So yes. it's all it's all the same idea. It's all, how do I engage with someone else? How do I understand their perspective? And how do I offer my view so that we can ultimately get what each other needs, whether or not that's an exchange of information or an exchange of services and or money? Absolutely. No, so true. So true. And it's it's interesting to me, everything comes full circle. So full disclosure, like I said, I have known Alex since I was one years old. We were on the same high school dance team together. Ooh, we would, <laughs> I know, which we would never make now. Let's just be very clear. I stumbled <laughs> on their Instagram page. They're very good now, by the way. I don't know if you've seen that. That is awesome. Every now and then, you know, I like to show my husband, Scott, I'm like, hey, look at what I used to do. And, uh, and I'm always like, oh yeah, they are good. They're still good. But we were good too, Jackie. Yeah, whatever. Hey, state state champs. We were state state champions. And I was captain. I was very proud of that. (laughs) The golden era. But it's it's interesting to me how you spent every Friday night on the football field in high school. You spent, you know, numerous nights on the basketball courts being the halftime show. And then it kind of propelled you into this journey through the sports world. So can you talk about sports and what was it that drew you to that arena? Yeah, it was pretty cool. When I was in high school, I had the opportunity to do the Friday morning announcements. I think I grew up, we grew up in the Washington DC area. Um, The museum was my favorite museum. I knew from the time I was eight years old, I think we have clips of me doing mock newscasts there. I said, oh, this is what I want to do. And then uh, from there, just had the opportunity to, when I went to college, I jumped right in. I signed up to be part of the radio station, cover the football team, and just dove in. And it was all about learning and being curious. I recognized I'd never played football, right? So how do you get up to speed as fast as possible? And use the resources that the school was providing, um, you know, learn from my peers and then uh, learn from, from the team that you're covering and building those professional relationships. And so it was, it, I mean, it's, I, I can't believe it. You know, it, sometimes I pinch myself. I feel blessed beyond belief that I, I followed my passion and had the opportunity to really uh, thrive, excel in what I wanted to do. But um it it was a yeah i mean i think for me 
really what was unbelievable too was uh, during the Nationals World Series run and uh, had the chance to cover the postseason for TBS. And I remember just kind of pinching myself and taking it all in. Uh, it was during the NLDS and I'm interviewing Ryan Zimmerman on the field and I'm just thinking, holy moly, I, I mean, I can't believe I'm here. And so that that's just, you know, you feel very fortunate, very blessed. And uh, it's important to to remember, you know, to be thankful in those times. Um, plus, Jackie, I should mention, too, my biggest role now, I'm a mom. And uh, I hope, you know, always for my daughter that I can be her, you know, her biggest cheerleader. Right. I mean, that I want to see her do anything she wants to do, put her mind to do. Um, but I know this is the biggest job in my life right now. And, and, uh, so it's exciting for me that I'll be able to take my experiences that I've done in my career and, and share those with, with my daughter, Jordan. And she's an adorable, cutest, cutest pie, little (laughs) baby girl. And it's incredible to me, a few things, right? The fact that Sports is something that brings people together. And I've been thinking a lot recently about the divisiveness of the world right now. And there is something about being around something inclusive. There is something about being around something inspirational. There is something about being around a group of people where you can see that the sum of the parts is greater than the whole in a way, which is really nice, right? And so... hundred percent. I wonder if you would share kind of key takeaways that you learned by observing sports teams. Yeah, that is, that's a great question. Um, You know, the teams that, that excelled, right. Whether it's so, whether it was being around the university of Alabama or the Patriots in, in new England, in Boston, um, and then covering the Washington nationals, it's funny. It's they have this intangible factor where the ship is sailing in one direction and everybody is all in. Um, whether their differences come together, how they see things, it's a shared mentality. You can tell. Um, and I know it sounds cliche, right? But they, but they're all. They really find a way that just the the camaraderie, the spark that they have, where they're supporting each other. I think that is the coolest team or coolest part about watching successful teams is how they all buy in to one message, one method, um, and they're they're all in. And so I think that's when you see the greats, right, and what they're able to bring out the best in each other, whether that's Tom Brady leading the Patriots, David Ortiz leading the Red Sox, Max Scherzer leading the Nats, right? They all have those that that it factor that you can't it doesn't just come you know not everybody has it right but it's those types of leaders that are going to bring everyone together be that spark for their team and get everybody fired up all in and i think being around that winning drive winning mentality um that will to win right it's it's really special to see that in front row and that's really hard to do it's a lot easier said than done because it's right. this cocktail of inspiration and motivation and support and also being challenging. So I was talking to a friend of mine from college and he made a comment to me that he sees high expectations as a sign of respect. And that has 
always stayed with me because I notice it in myself. If I yeah. jump in and do something, or if I hold you to a low standard, it's usually because I don't think you can exceed or meet the high expectation that I would otherwise have. Right. And that's something I need right. to work on. I know that. Right. And I'm curious because you have been around the greats, right? You've also been around these great coaches. You've been around Bill Belichick. You've been around Nick Saban. And you bring up this distinction between a coach and a leader as a player. Mm. And I'm curious that dynamic that you've observed and how you think people could apply that to their own careers or business. Yeah, I think that's a great, uh, another great point. Um, so, and, and you're right, it can be applied in every day what we do. So I always thought what was interesting, the World Series run with the Washington Nationals, there were times, even their manager, Davey Martinez, he said, bumpy roads lead to beautiful places. I mean, oh, I there like were times that. They were, yeah, it was, it was a I great like that. quote. And uh, he explained, you know, even throughout the season, they faced adversity. They had times things didn't go their way. And so how was it handled inside the clubhouse? And I always thought what was interesting, yes, he was the manager of the team. He was always going to be there for his players. But he really looked to then who from there, the leaders in the clubhouse, could he turn to that would go have those hard conversations yeah. with the, you know, the other the the rest of the team right and i thought he was like if if a pitcher didn't have a great outing or if someone made a bad play he felt like if they wanted to come to him and talk to him about it and, and i'm sure he had other conversations right that we didn't know about but he would always do that of course but when it came to like hammering them or you know, getting on them, that was for the players to do, you know, that they were one team, you know, so he was there to be more their the leader or their um, manage the group, right? Be their biggest advocate. I always really liked how, I mean, the media, right? When he's getting those tough questions on the players, it was all about the team, um, putting them in the best light. And then it was on to the next day, right? Not focused on oh, shoot, you know, this happened, being really down about it. He always kept that positive energy. And I think leaders in the business, hey, I mean, if you're, you're, you know, you're driving your team, right, but maybe you're turning to certain people on your team that can be that voice for another person that you feel like could help them in their career or excel in a different way. And so they're getting an opportunity to talk to those that maybe they can trust a little more or talk a little more openly with versus you're going right from the manager to the player um, relationship, right? So having that in between, and I think that's where leaders on certain teams in a clubhouse make a big difference from that coach to player relationship, manager to player relationship. Well, it sounds like it goes back to storytelling, which is where we started off, right? If you think about a story, yeah. everyone has a role to play. And yeah, what you're saying absolutely. is that these coaches play the role of being the big cheerleader, of being the big advocate and of steering the ship, kind of like what you're saying with your daughter, Jordan, right? And it's ultimately up to the team to hold themselves accountable. And it's, it's interesting because I just saw a press conference. It was old, you know, now that Nick Saban has announced that this is his last season or whatever it is. Yeah. There's all these reels going over social media. And there was one where he talked about players who make mistakes. And I loved it. And 
it said something, and I'm going to paraphrase, to the extent of everyone talks about, well, how are you going to punish him? But no one talks about how are you going to give him another chance? That's great. Yeah. And that really resonated with me because it also begs the question of belief and mentorship. And I reflect back on my own professional journey. And I always wanted to work hard for the people who treated me well. Mm. Like, full disclosure, your mother was a very big mentor of mine. And I'll never forget, (laughs) I I interned for her in the summer of 2000. What was it? Seven? No. Yeah, 2006, 2007. I don't know when I interned for her, whatever. But she was very motivating to me, right? And she was Mm -hmm. a cheerleader. And it was like, I cannot let her down. And it it almost like clicked on this motivational factor in me because I wanted to work harder for those people. Absolutely. And so, yeah, it it begs the question about mentors that you've had in your career. Yeah. Oh, well, you bring up my number one, my mom. Um, She's She's a great great lady. Yeah. She is everything to me. Um, And now, you know, she, oh, it's, it's been, she's made a pivot, right? She's retired and, uh, that's been a big change for her, but she's able to fulfill her life now in so many different ways, whether it's uh, giving back in the community. She's the best grandmother ever. I shouldn't say grandmother, Jaja ever <laughs> to, to my daughter. Um, but, uh, and she's fulfilling her life in ways that um, all of a sudden by being retiring gives her the opportunity to do. And uh, you should have her on here, Jackie. She's I got should. some cool story and advice. Um but from just a work standpoint, I think and we, we've talked about this. It's finding your champions and those around you that are going to help you, um, succeed and, and trusting those around you, you know, who, who earns your trust and, and, and the type of friendship and relationship, pr- those professional relationships you have that you're able to grow in different ways because they, be- they believe in you. And, yeah, uh, yeah. and so I think, you know, and it, whether it's photographers I worked with, I mean, in Boston, one of them, his name was Greg Glass. He was so talented. He's worked with uh, some top reporters and just, you know, he would, ah, he was the best, right? I mean, every day he came with this positive attitude. Hey, what's our story? What are we working on? How can we make this better next time? And, And that was always helping me see things when he's shooting his, you know, his role, shoot, getting all the shots for our story, how can we each make each other better to make that the best report for the day? The, you know, just other, as you said, managers that I've worked with, having the chance to work with certain teammates that um, you learn from, you hear the way they describe things, you know, you just think, oh, that's that's somebody, players will say, that's who I want to play for, right? And that's who, that's who you want to work hard for. So it's an interesting, yeah, I think mentors are everything, you know, it's those that, um, give you a chance and believe in you that make a big difference as you're, you're navigating through your, your, your own career. What do you think those mentors or leaders did that make, made you want to follow them and reflect back and say, Oh, they were the best. It's a classic quote, but it's not what people say. It's how they make you feel. You don't remember right day in, day out what somebody has said to you, yeah. but you know how how they've made you you feel day in, day out and what it's been like working with them. And 
we can all remember too the managers that you work for and the people you work for that you're afraid of and you don't want to be around and you're like, I'm so glad I got out of that situation. Right. <laughs> yes. you know, that's that's and because they make you feel a certain way. Um the ones the differentiators are the ones that every day they come to work. Plus you see them working really hard and you think, wow, you know, how do I get to where they've been uh, or what they're doing? And I think just that they, you know, make you feel like you have a crucial part in, in, you know, in the team and what you're building and what uh, you're, the, the goals you're trying to succeed together. And it's not always about, you know, giving you the positive feedback, right? It's being yeah. real, but how are they delivering that message that makes a difference too? So I think that's, you know, probably just the ones that day in, day out, they just give you that, that belief that you're, you can continue to achieve more. It's all sounds so cliche what I'm saying, but it, um, but it does, it makes a difference. And it's the ones you say that's, that's who I'm ready to run through a wall for. <laughs> the number one complaint I get from people when they talk about their managers is that they don't get enough feedback. Interesting. People yeah. want to learn. People want to grow. They want to be developed. Yeah. And it's interesting. I keep joking. Everything I know about leadership, I'm learning by being a mom because I have a son who's almost three and oh. he wants to be challenged. Right. He gets bored when he's not. And I think it is such a simple and crucial lesson. You have to keep people intellectually stimulated. You have to keep people challenged and learning and growing. And it goes back to that conversation about expectations and setting the bar high and and pushing them to keep the, the needle moving, not in a way that's, oh, you'll never achieve enough or you'll never be successful or what, quote successful, yeah. whatever that means, but in a way that's motivating and keeps people intellectually honest and intellectually interested. Uh, yeah, it's true. And I like what you said about uh, raising the bar, you know, that's, it's, it's what can you do that's going to make a difference today that you didn't do yesterday. And, and uh, you know, one of the things I like that they talk a lot about at Amazon, it's having a day one mentality. So approach every day, like it's your first day at the job. And the minute you slip to day two, something's not right. You know, you're, you're now getting, you're resting in your laurels. You're, you know, you're not focused on being an innovator, bringing yeah. something else to the table. And so that it's, yeah, it's always, how do you, how do you raise the bar to the next step? Oh, that's so interesting. And bringing it back to your mom. So hi, hi, Lynn, Jaja, shout out. <laughs> you were in a very male dominated industry. Sports, which you could also argue that tech is a male-dominated industry too. I was in a very male-dominated industry. I was in financial services. And I reflect back on the mentors I had growing up, Highland, and she was one of the few powerful, successful female women that I saw when I was growing up. And so I'm curious If there were any challenges, you know, navigating a very male-dominated space, being sports, and how that manifested or how you kind of conquered them? I think, uh, so with with my mom, watching her success and being inspired by that um, and how she just went about her business and, and 
you know, like Bill Belichick says, do your job, right? But that was my mom, you know, just do your job, be professional, do your job. The rest will come into place, but then have fun too, you know, be positive, be that electric person. And uh, so that it, I was fortunate. I grew up thinking I can do whatever I want to do, you know, and, and, uh, and so going into sports, walking into a room that was all men at times, probably in my younger years, you know, in college, maybe it was a little intimidating. Um, or actually, I remember the first time getting on a team plane, I was covering the Tampa Bay Rays and I hadn't thought about it traveling that I was going to get on the plane and be the only female on the plane with the team until all of a sudden I'm on the plane and I'm thinking, whoa, you know, this is, yeah. hang on, you know, wow. Um, but going back to how people make you feel, right, and how you carry yourself, the team, huge credit to the Rays or then with the Washington Nationals, I never felt like I shouldn't be there. You know, they I was their team reporter and you earn trust and you build those professional relationships. And so you have a seat, you know, and I think, yeah. and that was where probably, you know, a bit being at times, maybe in my younger days, naive, not thinking anything of it, which is probably a good thing. But then also, like you said, just having to rise above it. And, um, you know, I guess I remember, oh, there was a time I was covering a game. I probably was only like 22 years old and um, I had had a roster in front of me and some guy comes up on the sideline and is just like, oh, you need a roster to know who the players are, right? And I remember kind of getting a little red thinking, oh, maybe I shouldn't have to hold this. But then I was really thankful. There were four guys in front of me all with their rosters too. And and this is such a silly story, right? But in the moment, you know, you're like, oh. And, uh, and I turned to him and I said, yeah, I'm just like them. <laughs> And, I love that. You know, and then, yeah, and he kind of was like, "Oh, but, uh, <laughs> but I think um, you just you figure it out, you navigate it. Yeah. You know, I think um, you kind of you have moments where you're at home and and you you know you feel sad, right? Of course, but but then it's on to the next day. And if you're not helping make a difference, then you're not paving a path for another woman to have the opportunity. And I think that was kind of my driver is. How can I open up more doors, uh, give back? And if I'm, if I'm doing a good job, if I'm being a, a professional every day, then it, it, it makes a difference um, for others that will come through too. So see, was, I hear yeah. that and I'm like, good for you. That was your screw <laughs> you moment. Like, good for you, Al. <laughs> because we've all had those situations. And I was fortunate too. I was never raised to think I was at a disadvantage whatsoever. And part of the reason I asked the question is because when I first started at a very large bank, I went to one of these women's networking events. And it was these four women sitting on a dais complaining about how their bosses didn't understand them and da 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 da. And it was the first time I remember being like, wait, is there something wrong with me? Am I at a disadvantage? And I, I never let myself go back ever because I, I felt it creeping in. And yeah. I think it's one of those things that everyone is unique. And to a certain extent, we all need to be celebrated for our differences. And you know what? Sometimes, being the only woman in the room is an advantage because you stand out so you can make a name for yourself as long as you wield that power in a and, positive way. 
And Jackie, you make a good point. I think what was more eye-opening for me were a lot of times when, and not saying this is what they, they were um, upset about, you know, maybe feeling disadvantaged, but I think with, with women sometimes not supporting other women. And yeah. I think that was a part, especially just, I thought, you know, Hey, I'm, op- you know, helping open doors or um, I, I would always be surprised that on social media, the first that I would get this like really tough messages or mean, like just cruel things. It was always from women. And I think that was really always. And that what they was the say? part that, oh my gosh. I, I mean, I was called names. I was like told I shouldn't be there. Um, you know, one woman actually in the, the stands of a game, um, she came up to me and just said, Hey, you know, you're cute and all, but you really shouldn't be doing this. And she was like, they should have a man covering. They played baseball. You didn't. And I remember looking at her and I just said, Oh, do you think I should be barefoot and in the kitchen too then? Preferably pregnant. You know, right. And she was shocked, you know, that I said that, but I, I'm like, nobody's going to say that to me. You know, it's, it's good for you. So, and, um, but that always was the stuff that, um, blew my mind too. I think, you know, you have it hard enough, right. And, and at times being the only woman in the room, why, why have other women that are even making it double, double as hard. And I think that, that was parts that I was really like, Oh, you know, um, but again, you know, like Taylor Swift, shake it off. Right. That's it. That's all you can, all you can do. So <laughs> it's very timely, Alex. It's, yep, um, exactly. I think it's Madeline Albright. I don't want to butcher, butcher this, but I think Madeline Albright said there's a special circle in hell for women who don't help other women. I like that quote. I mean, there, there is, you know, I'll, just... I'll attribute it to her. I think it was her. But it's funny because I'm listening to you. And again, I have the benefit of knowing you for effectively my whole life. But I think you and I both have this same, I don't know if I want to call it personality trait, but the same, maybe it's a chip on our shoulder where it's like, you will not put me in a box. I will not let you dictate what I should and should not do. And now because you've challenged me, I will go over and above to prove to you how effective I can be. Yeah, no, I know that's, you're right. I would say we're always, we're drivers. That is exactly how we look at things. 100%. (laughs) I'll never forget. I, um, I was capital raising and I went to this big pension fund and the way that they did it was you would have to give an update on the fund performance in front of the entire board of trustees. And it was basically open. So all of their other asset managers would come down and there was someone who was doing equities and there was someone who was doing a fixed income. And I was there um, for real estate and it was me and my partner at the time. We were both women and we were both younger than the rest of the gentlemen in the room. And I could just tell the second we walked in that room, they were like snickering and they were looking at us and it like it, it fueled a fire in me that was like, just you wait what's about to come right. out of my mouth. And I got such a kick. I got such a high off of seeing them like shaking their heads being like, whoa, like she really knows what she's talking about. And I'm like, Damn <laughs> straight. Don't you dare yeah. underestimate me. <laughs> Oh, rock star, Jackie. Uh, Something, chip on my shoulder, whatever you want to call it. 
But it's it's an interesting case study and motivation, right? Because maybe that works for people like us, but it doesn't necessarily work for other people who might get really downtrodden from something like that or really intimidated. I guess maybe that's because we had strong moms. (laughs) (laughs) Who didn't take any shit. (laughs) No, no. (laughs) Yeah. We weren't either. I know. Well, I want I want to pivot back to this idea of relationships because that's been a theme that you've mentioned, right? And it's come up with mentorship. It's come up about you talking about being resourceful and figuring things out when you first got into the broadcast space. How do you think you build and foster supportive, close, successful relationships when you're starting a new job, like that day one mentality you talked about at Amazon? Yeah, I and I I think it it takes time, you know. I I think it's um you through the daily conversations you're having with your peers, you kind of see, hey, who do I like going to on this? Who do I feel like I can trust here? Whose advice do I like and appreciate and and it, it, I'm here like I'm able to really understand what they're um they're saying and maybe the way they're delivering it. Um or maybe you've heard them do a presentation or have a call or, or you watch the way, um, they do a report, right? And you think, oh, I, I, like, I'd like to hear how their methodology around that. What do they do to prepare for that? How did they get ready for something? So I think it's just, it's organic. Um, you can't force those things, but you just find the people, everyone you talk to, you can take something from. I think the other thing is to what I found. And and not to say this is right or wrong, right? But it seems like some people like to be a lone wolf in any industry. They they just like to go about their own business and they're going to find a way to do it all themselves. I probably would say I'm the complete opposite to that. Um, I like to have resources and a team and, you know, whether it's it's somebody that is a, is a beat writer on the team that you go, wow, their knowledge is off the charts. Like I want to take them to coffee and, and learn from them and hear their perspective on what it's like covering this group. Or it's a veteran that's been around the company for a long time and how they've navigated all the waters, the customer you're working with. Right. I, I think the more you can always listen and take from others and, and hear their experiences, it's only going to make you better. Um, and then trusting those around you, the jobs that everybody has, you know, how are you built, coming together to build success? And so I, you know, I know that kind of went off the path from talking about mentors, but even maybe it's not so much always a mentor figure that's making a difference in your day to day life, but, but the, the people around you that you're working with that can, you know, help, uh, make you better. Um, make you more knowledgeable and make you stronger in what you're doing, I think is always really important too. Well, it sounds like you approach relationship building with a learning mindset. And it sounds like you're very focused on some type of symbiotic relationship where it's what can I take from you to help that I can learn from and I can get better or improve. And there's a theme through this about also gaining credibility by getting your hands dirty and doing the work. Yeah. Which that makes... was a great uh, synopsis, Jackie. Thank you. <laughs> the, uh... I've had myself on that. Thank you. Um, but yes, I think 
you know, I think every day, I mean, you got to be learning something new, diving deeper. Um, and, and if you don't know something, you have to be real with yourself. You know, I know you can, to some extent, right. Everybody will say, Oh, fake it till you make it. Right. I mean, you, you've got to, but I think you can fake it if you're doing the research, if you're putting in the work where you've got some level of baseline and now you're just always building upon that. But if but you're what not does fake it mean up, in that context, that's exactly. I mean, you can't really just show up and not, and, uh, and know nothing, you know, I think fake it is like, okay, you've got your baseline. You're able to go in a room and have a conversation, but that's where knowing your limits, right. And, and saying, okay, I'm going to lean on this person here, or how do I learn from this? Build on that until you really have a strong, uh, you feel confident in, in everything, but, and you're never going to know everything. Right. So I think going back to what you said, the more you can learn, build on that knowledge, um, it just makes you better in everything that you do. You're making me think. Well, it sounds like you're saying find people with complementary strengths to you. Know where your gaps are and then fill the gaps if you need to by observing the people that have complementary strengths to you. So I'm laughing because I once had a boss. You know, I used to be so focused on perfection and having to do everything right. I once had a boss who said, when you're presenting or you're talking on a topic, you know more about this than 80% of the people in the room around you. So they're not going to be criticizing every word that comes out of your mouth. And that was like a game changer for me thinking, oh my gosh, that's amazing, right? If I, I could speak in a little more generalities and hedge myself a little bit and not have to be so focused on, on every little detail being correct. And there was something freeing for me about that. Um, you, you touched on this in a few different ways, but I want to go back to this idea of success because at the end of the day, this podcast is really about people uniquely defining success to them. And you mentioned that in 2020, you had a reevaluation where you ultimately decided to pivot away from the wor world of sports journalism and join Amazon. So can you talk us through a little bit of that thought process? It was, and it was hard. It was not just an easy career pivot, um, but exactly what you're saying, Jackie, what does success look like to you? And, and I think it's finding what fulfills you in every piece of your life. And it was funny during the pandemic. Um, so when baseball was on a, on a hiatus, I was having dinner with Scott, my husband, every night. And I was like, wow, this is really nice. Like we're, <laughs> we're cooking meals together. We're sitting down and watching TV together. And we had not done that in probably our whole relationship, really, because I was working nights, weekends, holidays. Um, and, and so I, that was a big, a big, um, part for me. It was yeah. like, I, I enjoy this, you know, and, and, um, and I'm, super fortunate. My husband's amazing. He's like, well, you know, you have to make your choice, whatever you want to do. Right. And, and speaking of a champion, he's, he's the best, you know, he's an amazing champion, but, um, but that was important for me. And then I think I just was ready maybe to not travel as much. Um, yeah. uh, I mean, gosh, the Nats, I covered 152 of their 162 games. You're on the road for 81. Oh my gosh. And, um, 
And so I just couldn't, I was like, how would I do that if we're going to start a family? Um, now, granted, I have colleagues that do it, right? So nobody has the the perfect formula. I mean, everyone's going to do it some a different way. Um, and I am amazed by them, right? So it's, uh, but for me, it was, you know what, I, that doesn't work for me. And I think that's, and that's the hardest part of making a career pivot is yeah. your identity with your job versus how you feel from a personal standpoint, um, and navigating through those emotions. But, but ultimately, um, yeah, I just, I felt like this is where I want to be. I, I want to be with at home with my daughter and watching the Nats and taking her <laughs> to Nats games. Um, and so there was a lot of that that went into the career change um, and the the opportunity to have more of that stable nine to five Monday through Friday job versus where it's it's kind of chaotic. It's It's all over a very different type of schedule. So, but yeah, I mean, who's to say one day I, I won't go back into it, be I, I freelance, very light freelance here and there, but super thankful to ESPN and for, for allowing me to still do some football games. And um, so that's been great. I was able to take Jordan to one of them this year. Aww. And then, uh, you know, I think about last year when I was pregnant with her and, oh my gosh, I was like ready to pop on the sidelines. So <laughs> <laughs> those are moments pretty exciting too, but um but I think, yeah, it's, it's everyone's family is going to find, you know, is success in a different way. I think right now it's working on being present at home with technology. You've got emails coming in all the time and sometimes so you're just like, it's so hard, right? To, my son, and so I would say, yeah. yeah, my son, the other night, he literally took my phone and said, mommy, no phone. And he threw it at the wall. Yeah, Which and you probably broke don't even realize, like my right heart. Yeah, and they can see we're always looking, you know, always. And you know, you said something so well, which is that the hardest part of any pivot is divorcing your identity from your job. Yeah, for me, that was far none the hardest, and it sounds like it was for you too. And that's partially why I'm such an advocate of redefining success in different seasons of your life and in different seasons of your career, because mm -hmm. I am a totally different person today than I was 10 years ago. And right. there are very different things that are important to me today than there were 10 years ago. So Absolutely. It, it sounds like I know the answer to this question, but how much did having a family factor into that decision for you? Yeah, that was that was the biggest factor. Um, yeah, and I'm amazed by my my peers that you know they they do it all. You know, I look at them and I'm like, wow, that's incredible that they're you know still traveling with sports teams and and having a family, and they're rock stars. You know, it's awesome. The for me, I just had uh, personally, right? I just was like, okay, I, 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 I want to be home more. That yeah. that was a bigger piece, and so, um, but I think no one does it perfect, right? I mean, like what we're saying, there are times. Gosh, I will be looking at my phone and reading an email, and then I look up, and there she is staring at me, and I think, well, who cares that I'm not traveling? I'm not present with her right, right now. 
Yeah. You know? So yes. it's, and that's not being successful as, you know, <laughs> so it's, um, I think, you know, I've taught myself now, I just put my phone up on a bookshelf or Smart. in another room just to get rid of it. And, uh, but yes, Jackie having a family, you know, and we hope we're blessed to, to continue to grow our family. And, um, but it's, uh, you know, that, that was, it, it was the biggest factor for me. Yeah. It's interesting to me because I have conversations daily with men and women. I, it's, it's, in, it's interesting to me how people think this is a women's thing. Almost every guy I talk to through my practice talks about wanting to be a more present partner and a more present father if they're in that stage right. of life. Or if yeah. they're not, think about how potential career changes or how potential promotions will impact that for them in yeah. the future. And it's, it's been a really interesting, I'm really grateful that I have those conversations because it's broadened my view on this isn't a, a women's issue, right? This is a people's issue. And I was talking to my husband, actually, he calls it the COVID unwind, how all these people are being called back to the office. And it's, it's really causing people to take a step back and reevaluate. Do I want to go back to that? Do I want to go back to a life where I don't have flexibility or I can't be around as much for my children or my dog or my spouse or myself, whatever it is, right? And it's there's almost this reckoning that's, that's going on. And if I were a betting woman, and if I want to wax philosophical, I would say that we're in the midst of this pendulum swing of people really valuing these massive corporations to doing something a little more boutique. And unless these massive corporations can get a little more flexible, um, which many have, right? But unless they can kind of ride the wave of these shifts, we're going to see this really big fundamental change in the way people work. Yeah. I think... You know, and I like it, the fact that it's funny to me to think about how many times too, not just from the working hours, but a lot of people would have work dinners, work happy hours. Yeah. Those are like almost non-existent. Never. People, yeah. Yeah. They're gone. You know, people, the only thing is, how do I get home to my, to my personal time, to my family, to whatever you're doing at home, people are ready to go do that. And I Such think that's point. been an interesting change too. I mean, I don't, I can't remember the last happy hour I've like heard of. <laughs> no. And I feel so, like now yeah. it's like people are trying to like sneak in exercise with work stuff. So they're like, let's do a, a, you know, happy hour spin class instead of going right. out for so, Yeah. No, exactly. It's so true. Yeah. All right. So in the interest of time, cause I know the two of us could ramble on and on and on for hours. I want to rapid fire a few questions to you. Okay. Rapid fire. The first, which we've touched on is today for Alex Chapel. How do you define success? Um, I define success by how it, it fulfills you. So, uh, for me, it's, it's family. It's, uh, it's really family first. And then just, um, being proud of what I'm doing every day, um, whether that's making a difference with my job, something at home, but I think just anything you can do to fulfill yourself, that, that is, is, that is success and what you can be. Proud of. 
Great. What are the biggest lessons that you've learned throughout your career journey? Um, be humble. I think, you know, be, be grateful to the people around you giving you a chance. So I think that so humble, be grateful. Um, and then don't take no for an answer. There's always, <laughs> there's always a chance, right? You always have to keep driving, pushing. Um, and then, uh, don't, don't ever rest on your laurels. I think, you know, the minute you take, uh, take something for granted, that's when, that is when there's no more success. So I think it's just continuing to drive in, in whatever you're doing. All right. Last question and take this however you will. What do you know now that you wish you knew back then? Uh, gosh, I think bet on yourself. If you have a vision for something, if you, if you have a gut feeling, you're, you're probably right. You are right. You know, I think every time you should just bet on yourself and what you think is the right path for you. So that, um, you know, maybe taking the safest route isn't always the best route. And that's probably something I would tell my younger self. It's just, just go for it. And, uh, you can always, you can always change. You can always switch paths, but if you don't go for it, you're going to look back. Um, you never want to wish you've done something. I would say you, you can always say, okay, I tried it. It didn't work. Like failure is not a bad thing, right? It's because yeah. you're learning from, again, going back to learning, you're learning from that. If you always take the safe route, uh, you're never going to know what's on the, the other side. That's such a great point. I was having a conversation the other day where someone said to me, am I making the wrong decision? Am I reading the situation wrong? And my response was, what does it matter? <laughs> that's the way you're seeing it. And that's the way you're perceiving it. So if that's not going to change, what point are asking yourself those questions? Yeah, it's so true. And it's not the wrong decision if that's what they want to do. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Worked Up. Please don't forget to follow, like, and write a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you enjoy your shows. And please follow along with us on social media. You can find us on Instagram at Jacqueline Beck Consulting or on LinkedIn at Jacqueline Beck Consulting. See you next time.